Hey guys, welcome into Get the Shift. This is a podcast where we delve into science topics and education topics and sometimes things that are just in between. Take a ride with me on this journey and hopefully by the end you get the shift. Alright Phil, welcome into Get the Shift. We're bringing you back to talk about some more stuff today. So, how have you been? How are things going? Good. Things are going well out here. Good, good. How's the how's the COVID situation out yonder? Um, so far pretty good out here. Good, good to hear. Good, good, good. All right, so bringing you in here today, we're uh, we kind of we're bouncing ideas off of each other, and I think we both settled on um, talking about controversial issues and topics in school. Um, kind of what our role is as teachers, and how do we handle some of those things. So, uh, you know. I think the best place to start uh, with this episode is kind of just discussing what the role is of a teacher when you're discussing controversial issues. What do you think the role is? What is our job as a teacher when we're talking through those issues in our classrooms? I mean, number one, I mean, just kind of a facilitator, just, you know, Work. We leave that if we're going to talk about anything controversial, the teacher has to leave. The teacher has to have questions that they're going to ask. And, you know, the idea is stay on topic. You know, avoid the opinionated stuff. Focus on the facts. That's the big side. Okay. Do you think? Um, do you think it's important to share your side, like your opinion on a particular matter, or is that your job to keep that out of it? For the most part, yeah. You present the facts on any issue that's going on and you let the kids kind of you know understand what's this side saying what's the other side saying no matter what it is yeah for sure i mean i think it's really important to create a safe environment and a a respectful environment because you know some of these issues you know people are so against the other idea that there's often like attacks and you know oh your opinion's dumb or that's a stupid opinion and it's like yeah you got to be careful to toe that line. I mean, you just got to, you got to first off know your students before you have the talks because if you know your students, you know how kids are going to react to certain ideas, I mean, then you just, you know, you kind of play around how they're going to react, but you still bring up the idea. Keep it respectful. Keep it about the facts. We're not attacking the person. We're talking about the topic. It does not matter what any person thinks. Just let them have their side, and then you present your side. Yeah, for sure. So, um, when when teaching controversial issues, so I'll give you a little bit of my scenario. You know, there's times where kids will ask me my opinion, and so I, you know, and I'm maybe it's different because I deal with high school kids, but I'll go ahead and share my opinion if they ask. I don't go out of my way to tell them. Uh, but I think I, I, it's important that after I get done sharing my opinion, I follow that up with, you know, you're entitled to whatever your opinion is going to be. I'm not saying you're wrong. This is just my opinion. Yeah. And I, I've done the same thing, too. I mean, I've had kids ask me, so, Mr. Olson, what do you think of this? And I go, here's what I think of based off these ideas. I kind of give them the reason why I'm on that this idea on this path, why I'm on this side. And I'm like... Guess what? It doesn't mean my way is more right than your way. I I have my own idea opinion because you know I'm a different person than you. The 
person next to you in this classroom may not think the exact same way you do. Your friends may not think the exact same way you do. Guess what? Everyone comes from a different background, has a different story, and you got to understand that. Guess what? They're going to have these different opinions, and that's all right. Who cares? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the the problem that you can get into is there's definitely a difference about between I guess discussing controversial issues in your classrooms and then preaching one side of the controversial issue yes. in your classroom. You know, and I've I've had discussions with you about, you know, instances where I've heard this occurring where where so and so is is only preaching one side of, you know, the 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 issue and they're they're kind of more more so preaching their opinions and telling people one thing or another. And I think that's a line where, to me, and I, you may disagree or agree or whatever, but I think that's an unprofessional line because I think that there's a point where, you know, you're you're now using your platform to as a disadvantage. Yes, that I would agree with. I mean, as a teacher, we're there to help students grow. If you're just pushing one way, guess what? I'm not, teachers are very influential in our students' lives, whether teachers want to admit that or not, or even students want to admit that or not. We are pretty influential that, guess what, if you look, some kids look up to teachers as kind of parent figures if their parents really aren't in their lives. And they could play that role that, if, well, if this is the way they're thinking, that's someone I respect because they're like my coach, they're a mentor, they're somebody I just enjoy being in their class, the topic I like, guess what, you're pushing your ideology onto that kid and that kid will start thinking that way just because you do and without thinking of the other side because you're not even telling them about the other side. Exactly. And I, and I think that's where it's so important for teachers to kind of fill that role. I think it's important to discuss controversial issues because you already know that they're going to get one side of that opinion from their home life, you know, whether it's their parents or some sort of guardian. You know that you know, if they're definitely one-sided on their opinions, that's what they're going to hear at home. And I think it's important yeah. for the teacher to kind of open their eyes to the other side of the argument and then allow them to make their own choice. Yeah. And I mean, that's something I do talk about kind of the, my intro chapter for sixth grade social studies is, you know, when we talk about history, I mean, the idea of studying history, you know, promote tolerance. Learn about the other side's point of view. Because guess what? All throughout history, we've had differing opinions. And guess what? Some were good opinions, some were bad. I mean, you go back to the 1960s, you know, we had, there were two different opinions, huge different opinions. Segregation, guess what? People were for, people were against it. There are sometimes things like that where, guess what? Here, now that we know things, we understand one side was completely wrong. But then there's other issues, I mean, whether you be like Republican or Democrat, guess what? Everyone has the right to their own political beliefs. Because guess what? The political parties are kind of set up to be... We're representing these viewpoints. And when people select a political party, they're selecting a party that best represents their viewpoint, whether that be Republicans, Democrats, Independents, or any of the other third parties, because guess what? It's the whole point. In our representative democracy we have, we are to elect people that best represent us. Not best represent the area I'm in, but re best represent you. Exactly, exactly. And I, I just think it's so crucial, and especially I think in, in today's world, it is so important, right? We can kind of get uncomfortable here and talk about the two biggest issues that we're seeing right now and controversial issues. I've had the discussions in my classroom, and I, you know, I don't know if you have, but the two biggest issues right now are the Black Lives Matter and COVID, right? 
those are two very, very controversial issues. And, you know, I've touched on both, you know, whether it was just more of the process of science units that I discussed with, with COVID or forensic science, where we talked about racial prejudice and we talked about um, the Black Lives Matter movement. I think those are very difficult conversations for kids to have. And they're definitely, I think, with you and, you know, you and I, or yeah, you and I, they're, they're tougher conversations to have because of the states that we teach in. Yes, that I would agree with. So I think it's very important, you know, you know, in, in our school we have uh, four, four or five African-American students. So when we talk about the Black Lives Matter, you know, for me as an as a educator, I think it's important to bring that up and have those open conversations where we can discuss multiple viewpoints because I think that the, you know, the other side of the argument, you know, a lot of these kids that we have that are predominantly white, they don't really understand that viewpoint. And because we live in such a, you know, I hate to use the word closed-minded, but it's almost the best word I can think of, you know, closed-minded state, it's hard to see the other side uh, of an argument. I think that that's that's definitely a role that we would fill is, is just opening that window to say, like, you know, I, I understand these people's points, but here's the other side of the argument, too. Yeah, that I agree with. I mean, for the most part, here in the state of Nebraska, we do not have a high minority population, I would say, that, you know, because a lot of the small towns like where we grew up, I mean, they're predominantly white. Probably somewhere about 90% white. I mean, and so, like, for the most part, I've seen the argument before by some people, well, I don't see this. Well, tell you don't see it. You're in a town of and 500 people, and you may have, you have two or three minority people who live in your entire town. Exactly. I mean, but, I mean, you got to understand that places where these things are happening are these bigger cities. Why? Because they do have a higher minority population, and the statistics there are going to be more likely they're going to see it. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we were talking in forensic science about this issue. Um, we, you know, we were talking about the Innocence Project. And it's just a, it's a, it's a group of people that pick up cases of people that have been falsely convicted. And then they run you know, new evidence or, or run evidence again and, and get these people out of prison. And people have been in prison for 20, 30, almost 40 years uh, for a crime they never committed. And most of them are uh, of minorities. And so we had the discussion about, you know, faulty eyewitness accounts are usually, you know, because of racial prejudice that um, you see an African-American and, you know, you think it's this person. So you pick them out of a lineup or you say yes. And you're even though you're not sure, but you know that they were black. And, you know, it's 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 one of those things that we we had a really good discussion. But then it got brought up that, you know, that's the most common crime was black on black crime. And, and I had to kind of take that because we that's a class where we have an African-American student. And I wanted to take that opportunity to to recreate his statement into a learning discussion and be like, well, the reason that black on black crime statistics are so, you know, high in certain areas is because you have to think of the proximity. If you're going to throw a statistic at me saying black on black crime is high, you've got to evaluate the area which you're referring to. Because some areas, that's because that's the highest population in that particular area. Yeah. I mean, there's this um, 
I took a class in college, and this guy, this one of my professors, he showed statistics, and he goes, guess what? When realtors show people houses, they are more likely to show white people, white neighborhoods, and then African-Americans, African-American neighborhoods, and even, you know, like his, Mexican-Americans. They're likely to show them houses in those neighborhoods because the idea is you're going to want to be around people like you. That is a huge statistic. I mean, you can look through across cities across the United States. You're going to look at population based off ethnicity, and guess what? People of ethnicities live by each other, so guess what? You living in those areas are more likely to commit those crimes. White people are likely to commit crimes against white people, African-Americans against African-Americans, so on and so forth, because of the fact that there are huge racial divides in cities across the United States. Exactly. And, and you know, when we get arguments from, you know, or I hear this from kids in, in rural South Dakota that, you know, that has a population of 500 kids, it's like, well, I guarantee you, if you look at the statistics from our county in South Dakota, I, I guarantee you the top crime is going to be white on white crime. But that's because of proximity. There's hardly any minorities in the county. You know, so it's a conversation that we had, and I felt like it was a good opportunity to say, okay, well, let's look at it from this perspective. Because then, you know, when we talked about Black Lives Matter, we got into the Blue Lives Matter discussion, right? Yeah. And that was an opportunity to say, okay, but look at who's more in need now. So it's like, I'm not saying that Blue Lives don't matter. And that's kind of how I handled the conversation with the kids. I'm like, you know, Blue Lives Matter still, they still matter, right? But we're not focused on them right now because they're not the ones that are having the constant, you know, issues with, you know, assaults or getting shot or whatever it might be. We're focusing on the ones that need help now. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. You have to understand the viewpoint of both sides. Why are people saying this? Why are people saying that? Understand that right now there is something going on that African Americans are being discriminated against in some way, shape, or form, whether by law enforcement or by just the law itself, because you know, our justice system is kind of broken in that sense that if you look at some of the crimes committed by African Americans versus white, there is a difference in jail time versus arrest time and versus warrants going out. I, I mean right now, right? Brianna Taylor? Yeah. Right? That that should have that was it right there. I mean, what more do you need to see? And, you know, and I, obviously you can tell from my point of view where I fall on the issue of Black Lives Matter. But I'm not going to come in if a, if a kid says, well, Black Lives Matter isn't a big deal. If a kid comes in and says that, I'm not going to sit there and chastise him, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say, okay, look, I hear you and, and you're entitled to your opinion. But let's just take a second to look at it from the other side of things and then make your informed decision. Exactly. And I think, you know, and it just pisses me off when there's other professionals, other teachers, and, and it's not, I'm sure it's not all that uncommon, but when they use their, their platform to shove those ideas, whether you're throwing around the term liberal or, you, you know, you're comparing Black Lives Matter to other worse things because of you're focused on the rights. I think that's 
where that's what makes me so angry because of the unprofessionalism and the just the ease that you can mold young kids' minds yeah. when I think we should be teaching them how to think for themselves and come to their own conclusions. Yeah, teaching them how to look at both sides of the art of an argument, an opinion, an idea, a movement. I mean, to be honest, that's a life skill, right? That's yeah. a life skill because you're going to have to vote and do all these things. So why not think for yourself? I, You know, when we talk COVID, I was pleading because I think I told you this, but we were teaching, I was teaching a lesson on how to evaluate scientific claims. And we were talking about looking at credentials and all this stuff. Well, the picture I put up, because it was relevant, was I put up a picture of Dr. Fauci, right? First thing a kid says is, oh, he's a Democrat. And I just go, I'm glad you said that. Because why does that matter? And he said, he said what he said, you know, something about Democrats being liberals and, you know, the stuff that you typically hear around here. And I'm like, okay, but let's ignore that side of your argument and let's look at what he's done and what he studies. And I just said, you know, you guys are entitled to whatever opinion, but I want you to, to be able to have the tools so that you can make your own informed decision because ultimately that's what matters. Yeah. But, you know, and yeah. You make your informed decisions not based on Facebook. <laughs> right. Never social media. And, you know, and I hate to tell the kids too, like, you know, I want you to make your own opinion, not from what people are telling you. Like, because I know at home their parents will say one thing or, you know, other staff members, you know, or other people in their lives might be telling them this or that or whatever. It's yeah. like, you know, I know you guys are going to hear that and I know those are important people in your life, but have your own mind. Think for yourself. Yeah. Take time to look things up. Understand. Just, that's all it is. Just take the time to understand. Time, you know, the idea of build, promote tolerance. Guess what? You don't have to agree, but just understand where people are coming from. There are reasons why people are, you know, being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. There's a reason why. If you don't know that reason enough, all you say, well, they're, you know, dumb or stupid, well, you're just throwing out opinions because you have no idea what they're arguing. Okay? Just like the other ideas, you know, when people, you know, everyone's like saying, well, Joe Biden wants to defund the police. Yeah, he never said that. <laughs> yeah. That's being thrown around because, well, it's a democratic idea, so it must be his platform. No, he's never once said that. Exactly. Stuff yeah. like that. Or, you know, the other big one is going to be, you know, like the Second Amendment, you know, the right to bear arms. And the idea is, well, the Democrats are going to take your guns. And it's just like, no. Do you have any idea what it would take to do that? Yeah, exactly. It would one big key component is 38 states have to agree to that idea. Because the only way to remove an amendment is with an amendment. Do you yeah. think 38 states are going to agree to get rid of the Second Amendment? No, heck, heck no. no. Heck no. Heck no. There's too many states that are like, we like our guns, you know? And there's a reason we have that in the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Yeah, so... It's just when people throw out... Well, you know, Democrats are going to take your guns, and then all of a sudden kids keep hearing that, and they keep repeating that. That's all they ever associate with. But guess what? Do you know the reality of how that would ever work? They don't. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's so important to teach that stuff and, and get that through. You know, uh, segueing a little bit, besides the two common issues with COVID and Black Lives Matter, you know, this, this controversial issue is something that happens – you know, every year, especially for me, and I'll just share some of the things that I talk about that are controversial, and then you can share a little bit of yours. Um, but, you know, the things that I teach that are controversial, <laughs> that I would say the big three uh, are climate change, 
evolution and the Big Bang theory, which is kind of tied into evolution concept as well. You know, for you know, for those three reasons, you know, climate change obviously uh, it's a hoax is what I always hear, and it's not happening, and uh, you know that that falls in the political realm too. Yeah. Um, and, and and what I'll do, and I guess how I handle it is I always will um, give them the science first, just the facts and the evidence. And then I'll, you know, they always ask me and stuff and and I'll share it and I'll explain, right? Because it's went through name changes. Everybody used to call it global warming. um, But I correct them on that because not every place is going to warm up. It's that's why it's called climate change. And then I hear oftentimes, I even hear it from my, my father-in-law, but um, I hear that this has happened before, you know, why, why should we care? You know, people are saying that this hasn't happened before, which is false. It's happened before. Right. Yeah. The problem is that it's happening faster than ever before. And we're in the middle of us, you know, or we're at the start of a six mass extinction. So we're, we're living through a six mass extinction event right now. It's the only one to be caused by another species, which is the human race. Right. So it, it's a fine line, you know, tackling that. And I know the feelings of most people in, in South Dakota. So I do show the before the flood documentary with Leonardo DiCaprio. And obviously that's going to be centered on one part of the argument. Um, But I think that the feelings are so heavy on one side that it's okay to show one in that case and then kind of discuss it and discuss the realisticness of some of the things they propose in that documentary. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, you're just presenting arguments. I mean, I've shown that before in geography when we talk about human-environment interactions, such as what what is what are things humans have done to the environment. And I said that's my perspective. I'm not trying to tell you, hey, guess what? You have to believe in climate change. Hey, I'm telling you, if you don't believe in climate change, well, this video is going to force you to. <laughs> no, I'm showing kids because I, I watched it and I really liked it because it does showcase what, you know, humans have done to the earth. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the part of it that I showed it because that's, it does a really great job. I mean, it talks it, about yeah. all over the earth because – here McCook, I mean, kids are going to think to themselves, well, I'm not seeing it here, so it must not be real. Because what? you got to remember, we're on a gigantic blue planet. Exactly. And guess what? You may not see it here, but guess what? There's so much of this Earth that's out there that you don't see. And it does show things. I think it shows, like, the Philippines. Yep, and now, it shows um, Miami. It shows Miami flooding at certain times. Miami, there's the, uh, oh, all the, what was it? Some oil fields. Oh, in Canada. In Canada, yes, yeah. And the ice melting. Yep. It just does a great job of just showcasing all around the world. And guess what? You may not see it here because, you know, we're in a a small speck on this entire planet. But guess what? These things are happening around the world. Exactly. And and I think it's so important. You know, with any of these controversial issues, to be honest, it's important, especially where we teach in the Midwest, to open their eyes to what's outside of the Midwest. You know, what are those other viewpoints? Because everybody's so close-minded in what they grew up in and what they're comfortable in, that's important to show that. You know, that's the same thing I face with, you know, segueing to my other issue, evolution. And, you know, obviously everybody, probably where we both teach, are, are very religious individuals or come from religious families, whether they're Catholic or Lutheran or, you know, whatever they are. Yeah, um, any of the religions of, like, you know, 
know, any of the branches of Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Ex- Islam. Exactly. And uh, everybody, you know, pretty much sticks to the Bible and, you know, yeah. <sighs> seven days and seven nights. Guess what? That is perfectly fine. That is your belief. I exactly tell you this is one hundred percent true. That this is one hundred percent what happened. Guess what? You are right to believe in anything you want to believe in, whether it be religion. Why? Because here in the United States, guess what? First Amendment says free religion. Exactly. You have right to practice any religion you want or no religion at all, and that is perfectly fine. Yep, and the, you know, and the reason that it's such a, I think it's even more touchy than. Um, climate change is because you know everybody assumes that since I'm teaching evolution which I have science standards that touch on evolution that I should be teaching creationism and I think that's very much false especially in the public school setting because I'm not teaching an opinion of evolution right I'm teaching the science behind evolution and I'm not out there saying well creationism is wrong but I believe it's a law that you cannot teach creationism in the public school setting and I think you know the kids have it's come up in in conversations and the kids know that I'm not a religious person at all Um, so but I've told them like it's it's really simple for a lot of big-name scientists in the evolution field who are still very religious to tie it together because time is a human concept right so I say, you know, what it says in the Bible, something about seven days and seven nights is when they created life and earth and all this stuff. But I'm like, nobody says, nobody says how long his day was. I said, there, there's your way you can tie it in. If, if you have a, if you have a hard time understanding like how this gels with the Bible and how everything works, you know, that's the conversation I have with kids. He said, you know, it doesn't mean that this is wrong, but here's how you can interpret it and tie it in with your beliefs if you so choose. But if you don't, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, with I teach world history, I mean, I do touch on some more world religions. I talk about Hinduism. I talk about some of the beliefs of Hinduism. I do the same thing with Buddhism. I talk about how Buddhism came to be. Uh, Judaism, same thing. I talk about kind of the beginnings of Judaism, you know, the, the story of Abraham. And then um, this year I'm also going to be adding on Christianity and I don't think I quite get to Islam. I think they will touch base on that in seventh grade. But for the most part, I talk about the world major religions. Exactly. So, yeah. And I just teach it as an idea of guess what? These are their beliefs. Because guess what? You're going to go out someday. You're going to meet people from these major religions. Because guess what? Even if you go to UNL, if you stay in Nebraska, you're going to meet people. You're going to meet the same people. Even if you go to like. The community colleges around here, guess what? Different people have different beliefs. And guess what? If you understand their beliefs or have a basic understanding of their beliefs, you can better understand them as a person. And guess what? Is that such a bad thing to understand people in a different way? To understand somebody else better? For sure, yeah. I mean, that's 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 the other part of this whole conversation is getting these kids to be accepting of other people's um, you know, ideas. Because even... Even in anatomy, when we talk about the reproductive unit and we get into talking about sex ed and we talk about abortion and, you know, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice or whatever that is, that's some that's another conversation that we have in my class where it's like, you know, be okay with the other person's opinion. Be okay with their scenario. You know, when we especially when we get into the pro-choice, pro-life debate, it's like, you know, put yourself in the shoes of somebody who 
let's say, was raped or whatever. You know, before you cat, let's look at it from this opinion. Let's look at it from that opinion. You yeah. can, you you know, and, and just everything like that. So, you know, segueing a little bit of him here, to let's flip it to you. You know, you touched on those religions. Are there other controversial things that you've discussed in your classes and kind of how you've handled those? Um, for the most part, controversial issue-wise, not really a whole lot. I mean, we do talk about hominids. I just teach about, this is based on findings by archaeologists and anthropologists. And this is just what we have seen based on fossilized evidence. That's the way I present it. I go, I go to tell them, it's all there is to this. That's about the only real controversial one where I get a few kids, well, you know, well, what about Adam and Eve? And I'm like, they're not at the topic at hand right now. This is just my, my findings from based on other people's research, based on fossil finds in Africa. That's about yeah. usually the only one. I mean, the other ideas, like you said, like, I mean, with religions, I talk about polytheism. And so when we talk about, you know, Egypt, Egypt Mesopotamia, you know, they're polytheistic. They believe in gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. And, like, guess what? That was their way of thinking thousands of years ago. Exactly. You know, I'm sure it's probably a little bit different for you, especially with sixth graders and how you would handle those sorts of conversations and how they progress. Versus me, you know, in the high school level, yeah. uh, where you can and, might, probably maybe have more more constructive discussions. Yeah, I mean, every now and then, kids will bring up a topic at hand just because you know it's something going on in our world right now, and it could be just something just like you know the Black Lives Matter movement. If that's what something the kids are interested in talking about, I'm fine with taking a few minutes out of you know about let's take a few minutes, let's talk about what's going on in our world. Because guess what? They live in it. I live in it. They're seeing this stuff on the news. They're seeing this stuff on social media. Their parents are talking about it, siblings, you know, other family members. Guess what? Let's take a few minutes and let's have a quick discussion. I'm fine with that. Yeah, sometimes you got to just say, you know what, the standards and stuff, they're not important right now. You know, let's let's take a step back. Let's have this conversation. Let's get into this conversation and, and think about it and, you know, allow kids to express themselves and their feelings because they get told so much told this, told that, told to believe this, told to feel that, told to think this way. I think it's important to allow them a safe environment where they yeah. can express their feelings. And I, and before, I say if we're going to talk about this here, are the simple rules. One, we're talking about the topic at hand. We're not talking about people. I don't care whether you agree or disagree. Guess what? You are entitled to that idea. We are talk, It is the debate at hand on this topic. We're not calling anybody names because guess what? That solves zero it solves zero problems, and it doesn't get your point across. Talk, talk about your side, talk about the facts, and we'll stick to the facts. Awesome. Phil, it's been a great conversation tonight. Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, I think hopefully the, the whole 10 or so listeners that I have, I will appreciate you coming back another time. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely love to have you back on the show. So. Always happy to be Alright, Phil. Hey, you take care. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. Alright, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Osten joining us from McCook, Nebraska. Uh, You know, we talked a lot about controversial issues. Uh, You know, for me personally, I love to to have these conversations with kids and to to get their viewpoints and their feelings. Uh, I think it's an important role as an educator to provide that outlook. 
uh, provide both viewpoints, allow kids to make their decisions themselves with their own facts and their own feelings at hand. Um, as always, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Uh, I hope that you took a little something from this episode. So as always, I hope that you get the schist.